0: to Rock and Roll Grad School with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. Consider yourselves officially enrolled.
1: Hello, kiddies. Come around to our way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You and Fidel Castro on the sand.
0: I know. I, yeah. I, I wasn't ready. Sorry. Sorry. Did I throw you? I was... I, you did. I was still thinking of our earlier conversation. I'm sorry.
1: You just, perhaps you don't want perhaps your freedom? I'll be
0: a woman soon.
1: Yes, exactly. You don't <laughs> want your freedom. You do want your oh, freedom. Oh, I
0: definitely, I definitely want to play around.
1: Yes. So we have, uh, I feel like our good friends, Nash and King from yes. Urge Overkill. Yes. They have a new record called We, mm-hmm. and they have a cover that we all get into. And I feel like, It sounds like they didn't really make all the connections that we made for them when talking about the record, at least the cover.
0: But they were appreciative of it.
1: Oh, please. Definitely. But it's just sort of nice where they go, Oh, that's where we got that from.
0: Yeah. It was like, so just ingrained in them, that it just naturally what they wanted and they didn't realize the subconscious. Right.
1: And that's why we're here to dive deep into your subconscious.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Yes. At this point right now today what are you guys both more sick of uh I'm um, talking about omicron or going out and pimping this record at this point in the day
2: uh, yeah I've got to say the virus we we've, <laughs> we've uh you know in the in the old days before you know we're used to being corralled in a hotel room for 12 hours you know sometimes you would go to a country and then you would after going out for all night with the the label to show you how great their country was (laughs) a party you have to get up and go to some nice hotel and talk to actual journalists face to face and uh that was uh that was always a challenge where you know I, I don't know why they didn't do it the opposite way where maybe party after, yes. and, but they, they always did it that way. But the, this, the way we're doing it now is is you, you actually can stay home and talk to everybody because nobody's going anywhere anyway. And we've, we've sort of limited it to, uh, we don't do multiple interviews in a day. That can get pretty stale when you, you have to basically answer the same questions right times on the same thing
3: so,
2: so this this has been uh like the way they release records now i guess it's pretty it's a pretty drawn out period where you can tease them online and it's allowed us to we've been doing um interviews on and off for about a month and it used to be like you know you get you be a you know in a in a hotel room and it's all in one day and it's really not not uh, ideal so this that's a nice word for it technology has afforded us uh i think a more pleasant way of doing it everybody is sick about talking about the virus that's for sure
0: so which country showed you the best time spain
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say Spain <laughs> Nash no, just said Spain that's true
0: what was it about Spain <laughs> now I'm intrigued <laughs> the mutual agreement
3: I no, guess, we, we don't know it's, it's, it's this crazy love affair just sort of uh, just uh, developed between uh, España and, and Urge Overkill and uh,
2: the, the paella the discotheque <laughs> The, the tapas,
1: tapas, yeah. tapas, yeah.
0: The, the bulls,
1: the party. Bulls.
0: I mean, bulls on the cover of the new album. He made yeah. it right there. <laughs> I, I
2: actually, that was inspired by a recent uh, trip to Leon, Spain. Um, they've got, they've got a huge, uh, Vittoria G- Gastes. They've got a famous part of the basque country and there's a huge uh you know they they have a huge outdoor concert there every year but there's a part of spain which is in the basque country you're 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 instructed first of all to never go on stage and say you know hello spain (laughs) you have to say hello basque country Uh, or else they're going to throw stuff at you (laughs) but these people love rock guitar music like nobody else on earth I mean it's insane um we played there with uh, the New York Dolls and such like bands in front of like I don't know it's like 100,000 people or something and they don't necessarily have to know you but if they if if you know if you're a guitar based hard rock band it's a paradise and I guess it's still that way since we've been there um, Nash, do you remember the name of that festival? It's a pretty famous uh, yeah, no. Esqu- Esquez- Esquina festival. So they're they're uniquely psyched about whereas like rock guitar, let's face it, in, in American culture has gone in and out, and people are always declaring it dead, but you know, it definitely reached its its peak in the at the time when you know like bands like Soundgarden were number one on the billboard charts and like you know whatever nirvana was number two or whatever week in the early 90s you know that was definitely those were the days for us that was a great
1: week yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) it's a really good week for all of us
2: (laughs) but uh you know i i guess it's uh it's something that we've never strayed that Far from, uh, you know, our, our roots as sort of a rock band. There, there are experimental elements on some of our records, and we've used drum machines and th- synthesizers, and whatnot. But that's always been the the sort of the the basis of what we do. And thus, Spain being u- uniquely suited to understand uh, urge. And I think that is some of the, some of the inspiration for some of the bull iconography was a result of a trip to Spain lately, uh, before we had to contemplate the artwork for the album. And I, I guess we're f- sort of forgot the origin of how we got so into that, uh, that the, the idea of the bull logo, but the guy who, 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 did the painting for the cover is Spanish.
0: Let's
2: see. They so, call that thing the Purple. They've changed the name now. They call it the Purple Weekend Festival. Cool. It's, in, you know,
1: maybe same result. That's the thing. <laughs> so it, what's interesting is like the record, the, the new album sort of picks up right where you guys left off in the best way possible where it's, it's the, the warm bath of urge to just soak into. It, why did you start on the record now? Why, you know, so long after Rock and Roll Submarine, were you like, you know, did, did the, the UO light in the sky just go off? Why did you guys decide you needed to do a new record now?
2: We started at, from uh, Rock and Roll Sub without a label. And uh, we had uh, enough Frankly, we had enough uh, decisions to make where that could have been a double record. So, I think the a lot of these songs were sort of an unfinished form where where when you build uh, music digitally now, you you work on it and you have maybe have a version of the vocals, but the lyrics aren't as great as you want. So that can sit and you can you know, work on something and sort of get tired of it and then listen to it maybe a couple of years later and think, you know, this would be great with different lyrical ideas or some obvious puzzle about what's not there with the song, unlike when we first started recording and it was going to be done in three days and all decisions were made and you had to. So it's, it's like it's a completely flipped on its head at least how we approach, you know, building a record. Uh, The Rock and Roll Submarine took that was done that way where it took a while and we took it to different studios, whereas we we kind of got this batch of songs into a a state where we were going to maybe put some new drums on. You know, maybe the drum performance is fine, but the drums are recorded in a room that sounds bad. So you just take the, your hard drive in to a studio and you, you set up that and you literally, you can re record the drums and things like that. Uh, we, we got it pretty into perfection mode with this, this record and we had sort of infinite time. We weren't under a a, a schedule, like a corporate schedule where there was a release date. And so we really, we finished this record and then we were shopping around to see if, if, uh, who was interested in releasing it. So all that takes time, you know, and it kind of, we, we weren't, uh, in any kind of rush to get it out, but it did take a while to, you know, the the music was finished before we had any concept of the artwork or anything like that. And, uh, but we did find a, a great record company in Onivore. An- and, uh, you know, the, re- the result you see now, probably, you know, a, a few years uh, that the, you know, the music had been completed pre-pandemic and all that. So I guess that's how, it, it wasn't like uh, some, it, it was a slow process and, you know, probably slower than we would have liked. However, the timing seems to have worked out. Um, we're getting a lot of positive uh, feedback from. We're getting a lot of good attention from the record, possibly better than last time. I think. And uh, you just never know what's going to happen with music, you know. And you just have to do what you love to do. But uh, I'm I'm pretty pleased uh, where the the word of the new re- record has shown up. Uh, we're we're very happy that the time seems to be right, so we're happy with it.
0: It's great. It's so good. We've been rock. I've been rocking out all morning to it. So I mean, prior to that too. But just it's it's so fun. It's so good. Well, freedom's freedom's amazing. It's so different, and I love the original too. I. <laughs> I am yeah. a, <laughs> but it's it's so good. One of the things that Luke, I'm going to steal one of Luke's questions, but one go of the it. things that we've gone back and forth on both with that particular cover, and with your obviously iconic girl, you'll be a woman soon. Why did you pick those particular pieces by those artists? Like, why didn't you go with Heartlight or you know, Song, Song
1: Blue? Gigi, yeah, Song oh, that's Song a good Blue, one. Sure.
0: Or um, I'm your man.
1: Mm.
2: <laughs> I think with, with her, with, uh, with girl, it was a, a, it was just kind of a complete fluke kind of afterthought kind of deal. We were at Kramer's studio. Um, we were going to do a partial record. Like we didn't have enough songs really for an EP. We basically didn't have enough songs for an EP. And I think the, uh, there's a release, the original record called Velvet Gloves and Spit that has Neil's uh, girl on it had been picked up and had been in heavy rotation at the apartment. So that was picked up in a used like a bargain bin on the strength of the cover art. And we were at uh, Kramer's frankly so high that you know, we didn't know what to do. As We had finished everything that we had written. And it was basically, it was a song that was easy to remember and kind of a a thing we just wanted to unseriously take a stab at. And once we got going with it, um, with the sort of weird beat, and and we started working on it just because it was easy to play and easy to, you know, songs that are that simple, you've really got to be a master to write something that can be remembered music and lyrics can sort of be stick in your mind without ever having an attempt. None of us had the lyrics. We didn't have an access to the record. This was just a song that was playing on the, on the stereo last week and we sort of needed to record something. So uh, actually we have to give uh, credit to Kramer himself who sort of this song perked him up out of the you know bong smoke <laughs> and he's like you guys really have something here he's like this is your hit or like you're high you know <laughs> <laughs> and he's like yeah yeah this this is your hit let's you know then we had this toy piano and we started having fun with it and he uh he got on the piano and added some stuff and i think it was uh It was Kramer himself, the the producer, uh, legendary uh, bong man. uh, (laughs) uh, Some of you may or may not remember, but his touring band, uh, Bongwater was a band that we played with. We had a glorious night with them once in uh, Montreal and we got to know them. And he had, at the time, he had a recording studio in New Jersey, uh, right across from... uh, I forget what the the suburb in the hills over there uh, is called. Nash, do you I recall? Was,
3: I think it was in Orange.
2: <laughs>
3: and anyway,
2: he bought this like mansion. I don't know what he was doing, but he bought this mansion from somebody. It was somebody like Stevie Wonder or some kind of soul person who had put a state-of-the-art studio but it was still like a 70s studio so it had an ancient plate reverb And if you hear it if you hear uh the stall record we hadn't used uh a lot of reverb on our recordings and and we, we weren't really you know a reverb forward band but we ended up in his studio that had this immaculate plate reverb and of course we put it on everything on the record what one of the tricks that I subsequently learned is that a lot of people like Led Zeppelin, for instance, put all their drum tracks through uh, this plate reverb stuff slightly. And uh, that's part of the magic of that song is that the recording may have been contemporary, but the, the reverb style would have been very much a 60s and 70s type of... It's after that; It was after the period where they actually put reverb, they use a room... And they put a speaker that you, you pump the music into the room and you, you take a, a microphone and you record the actual sound of the room. This is an artificial type of plate that they, you know, now they, they imitate it with computers, but that's one of the, the hallmarks of that recording. And, you know, so the girl thing was, that's the story of how that was recorded as opposed to any other Neil, you know, I could it's safe to say we were in a Neil Diamond phase time. <laughs> Isn't or, everyone
0: oh, always? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Constant, but yeah. And as per the as per the new one, uh the our, our latest cover, you know, we've covered various things throughout the years, and uh not all of them have made it to uh to record or to, to you know to the public. We've played a few things live and messed around with a very few cover songs but uh freedom was another one we heard while we were out on we were out on tour and being unfamiliar with george michael and wham it was more that the song that spoke to us we we heard the song in a cab in 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 uh, moscow and uh remembered the words and vowed to track it down and we later discovered it was wham so most people I was surprised to find that most people had heard the song and it was sort of a hit but we just kind of dug the song and and kind of tracked it down after hearing it once it was kind of a mystery that we you know and we kind of put it up and and played it to kind of uh to to uh sort of break in a new studio it was another thing that we sort of approached Uh, initially not completely seriously, you know, sometimes you want to record something that's already been written. If you're in a brand new studio and we were with, uh, we were with the V's in Minnesota and we were like, well, how do we kick this off and keep the magic? You do something that's unserious, possibly, possibly disposable. And uh,
0: what's so cool about it. Is it's not at all like your version of it change it changes the entire feel of the lyrics like it's more and again I love George Michael I love Andrew Ridgeley but your version of it the the lyrics are just a little bit darker a little bit more sincere to what the words that are being said and it's yeah. just so fun and different I love it I don't like I like you know I don't like when covers are so True to the original that they're not this is its own song.
2: What's the point? Yeah, right. It's always right. Been vehemently against the, if there's like a perfect version of a song, you know, you you really you want to do something as different as possible with yes. a cup. Exactly. Nash, do you want to speak to that with the uh because because you know I gotta be honest, I think that to be freedom. I think I heard the song in the cab in, in Russia, and after that, I don't think I even heard it. So we didn't, we didn't have even have access. Nash, do you even have, do you even own the song? I mean, I think we reconstructed it from a memory of awesome. maybe we got no. a hold of the lyrics or Nash, did you take from the lyrics at all of freedom?
3: Well, yeah, we, we eventually found it and listened to it. Um, then I think we were second guessing, like why were we so taken by this song? <laughs> right. Right. But uh, but we, we you know we we stripped it for lyrics and uh, and they, you know just sort of you know made it our own. Yeah. Just you know the the, the approach always, we've always taken with covers. I mean, if if, if you can't, yeah, I, I we've never understood why why bands attempt to cover classics. You know, unless you have something to add to it. Exactly. But if you take a B side or uh, you know a lesser known tune. I, I, I think uh, I, I, we got the feeling that, it, 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 as we investigated, that that uh, freedom, I guess, was maybe a huge hit in Europe, but it, it wasn't that huge yeah. over here. Right. I, I think the breakthrough hit in the States was, uh, wake me up before you go, go. Or, yeah. Or but, uh, you know, but, but that, 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 that that gives you that, leeway. To, that um, wouldn't to, have worked.
0: No, <laughs> no, yeah, not the same. <laughs> we, we wouldn't be having this conversation
3: about that. Give you that leeway to uh, you know, put your own stamp on it, and uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's funny how it all happened, but but uh, yeah, if 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 if, if you uh, like Ed said, I you know I haven't really listened to the original since we recorded, but if you do listen to it, I mean. I didn't realize how how, how it was night and day. You know, oh yeah, the original to our version is, but
0: but you still but, know uh, it's there. Like you still know it's that song, but it is night and day. It's like it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never understood bands that you know, like, hey, you got to hear our version of the Beatles'
3: Revolution. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> our producer says it's
0: better than the original. <laughs> Of
1: course <laughs> there's something it fits so well with the rest of the record uh, you know uh, king you were saying how you know the, the timing of everything just sort of working out i think something like uh how sweet the light like i was listening to that the other day like that is the right now that is what i need is some sort of like I, we've all been there it's just it's such a wonderful kind of uh voice of assuredness on your shoulder kind of being like it's gonna work out i don't know how but something's gonna happen and it's not overly optimistic but it's just reassuring in the best possible way that i seriously i was driving around i was like this is exactly what i need right now and Uh i i I think there's a reason for whatever out there in the, the the universe that this record is comes to comes into being now comes into everyone's lives now and, uh, and it,
2: it seems to be speaking to the moment. The uh, the main restaurant critic for the New York Times recently checked that song on his blog. I don't know how he got a hold of it, but he's like, when you're making poke cheggs uh, with your New Year's hangover, listen to this song. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I gotta say, the guy's got good taste. Yes. It, that that goes great. on the
1: cover of the album. Put that on the sticker. <laughs>
2: So yeah, speaking to the moment, and that's, you know, sure, the the some of these songs are from literally from the vault, as they you would say, but seems like now's the time. I'm glad they didn't come out on, you know, D-Day of the, the virus. And, and I think we're coming out of this. That's been said before, but really, I think where we are today has got to be the last of the major spikes in in this disease um of course uh we'll have to see but uh yeah the the you know the release date is is in uh 22 and we hope that's gonna be uh we hope the roaring 20s are gonna be the the uh rule of the day
0: yes all flappers uh, and bathtub gin from here on out
2: (laughs) out and about like never before yes assuming I know I will be I'll I'll be with you (laughs) I'm
0: going to Spain are you kidding me I'm I'm (laughs) hightailing it to Spain first chance I get (laughs) with all of your I mean your extensive catalog your extensive history the incredible work you've done one of the things that stands out to me is I feel that you are you're one of my favorite bands, but you're also our favorites bands, our favorite bands, favorite band, which feels like a lot of pressure. What's it like to to live in that particular world where fellow musicians worship your talent and what you do?
2: Nash, I'm, I mean, I, I, you know, I put great stock in that and because of that, you know, we, we were a, we were asked on tour to see at the time, you know, when Nirvana hit uh, uh, the world, we, we actually had a couple more records out that we were arguably a bigger band, but uh, you know, we were asked to accompany them on a couple of tours and uh, you know, because of that, I, you know, we were privileged to see many more shows of, perhaps the, one of the greatest live bands I've ever seen, we, you know, not a lot of people got to see a lot of more Nirvana shows than us. And frankly, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the other band from Seattle, uh, (laughs) Earl Jam are no slouches either who also act us asked us out. And, uh, they, uh, they turned me around too. I was a not a believer, but uh, seeing those guys rock when they were like uh. the biggest fan in the world, they really did deliver. So we saw them thoroughly entertain stadium after stadium, and and destroy uh, party tray after party tray. <laughs> in the, they really, yeah, it that's that was a great privilege, and you know I think that afforded us. You know, there's nothing like uh, being on tour with another band. We, we got to see a lot of great stuff. We, you know, we uh, we also were on, were on the same building with Soundgarden, who were very impressive. Nice guys, too. You know, what what more can be said? We we, we came to be good friends with uh, Chrissy Hine and the Pretenders. Uh, we came to be pretty pretty familiar with Joe Stromer. Uh, may he rest in peace. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I mean, that that kind of uh, fandom means a great deal to us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not my story, but someone really close to me saw you play here in Pontiac, Michigan. I'm in Detroit. And it was shortly after Kurt died and, and Dave Grohl was in the audience as your super fan. And he said it was one of his favorite music moments ever to see you guys rocking out as one of his favorite bands and to see Dave Grohl rocking out as your super fan.
2: Wow. That was a really yeah. rough time, but yeah, he's he's always been a a supporter of the the band. Nash, I think I think Nash was attendance and attendance at the very first uh Foo Fighters show if I remember correctly.
3: Yeah, it was in like a pizzeria. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, But yeah, we've always been. uh, I guess we've we've always been uh, more of a band's band than a fan band. I mean, we have fans, but but we always had the respect of uh, uh, you know uh, other bands, successful bands, and uh, you know. I mean, which is a greater compliment, you know, more fans or just you know, you know, accolades from you know. All of the you know current huge bands uh, you know we, we, we you know we, we we accepted it graciously but um uh, but uh you know uh you know I, I guess you know we've always been a band's band more we, than a fan band
2: I guess. We, we there's this most incredible story speaking of like other musicians digging uh your band Apparently, somebody was in a, a limo with Axel Rose, none other than Axel Rose, and our version of Hot Chocolate, uh, Nash, what's, what's the song? Emmeline. Emmeline was on a college radio station, and uh, Axel proclaimed, I want to know who this fucking band is right now. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. I don't know. All you need
2: or or if yeah, it's I never, true.
0: I never heard that story.
2: Before. I definitely yeah, that's that is a story somebody told me on on tour. And why would they make it up? How could they know it? I don't know.
3: Every day it's a different story people saying how you no good for me i heard you get around and they'll make you fool of you the way they do we the
1: new album from urge overkill is available from omnivore recordings february 11th available on record cd and digital for more information check out their website urgeoverkill.com
0: you can check us out on all the various socials be sure to visit our website at rocknrollgradschool.com and don't forget to leave us a review.
1: Today's show is produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant producers are John Sauve and Sandy Stone. Our willing producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our intern is Zach Jackson. This one's for Philippe. Thank you, good night, and may all your favorite bands stay together.
3: Yeah, I don't want nobody. Part time love just brings me down I don't want you